How many of you were huge fans while it was running of Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe? <laughs> yep, 2005 to 2012, that was a hit show. There are many different episodes where he took on the, the, the dirtiest of jobs you can imagine. The Batcave Scavenger, where he had to go in the Batcave and collect their guano, which is a nice name for it. Roadkill Cleaner Upper. I don't know if anybody saw that episode. The Sewer Inspector, and one of the titles I saw was one of my favorite titles, The Avian Vomitologist. His job in that episode was actually to collect owl vomit. I don't know why, what they use that for. Dirty jobs. He went out there and did the unthinkable. He, he touched the untouchable. And that's kind of where I want to go this morning, this idea of touching the untouchable. A lot of times as Christians, unfortunately, we get into a mindset that, man, going out into the world and being the light and salt of Jesus is, is a dirty job. And I ain't going to do no dirty job. I'm going to stay in the Sunday service. I'm going to stay in my little quiet time at my house. I'm not going to go out and touch what we think of as the untouchable. Andy Minio wrote a song called Wild Things. It's based on the idea of the book Where the Wild Things Are. Remember that kid's book? And when he wrote the song, he wrote it because he realized that a lot of Christians think that going where the wild things are is what it's like when we go out there and, and we're the salt and light of Jesus in the world. We, we don't want to go where the wild things are. So he wrote this convicting song, he's, and, and he's saying that he does want to go there. He says, I want to go where the wild things are. I'm talking lions, tigers, bears, oh my. Christ died for the terrible heart. That's why I want to be where the wild things are. He goes on to say, welcome to the church in the wild. I live with guys that haven't been to church in a while. I've chosen this lifestyle. You ever met my friends? Porn stars, dope dealers. People ask, why do you chill with them? I thought you were a Christian. He goes on to say, yeah, I'm on that team. But I'm with these people because my life's the only Bible that they've ever seen. One more verse, he says, some want to be an earshot from the church bell. I want to win souls. I want to make gunshots in the worst hell. Telling them Christ became a curse for their sin with my words and my works. They won't come in. I'm bringing church to them. I talk about Jesus. All the Christians love me. I walk like Jesus. Now they want to judge me. Ain't it funny? I'm ducking stones thrown from the Pharisees. They say the wild things will eat you up. I say, who shall I fear when God is walking with me? (laughs) He wants to live a life where he goes and he touches the untouchable with the message of hope in Jesus Christ. The calling all of us as believers have on our lives. When I think about touching the untouchables, that's exactly what we see in four or five short little verses in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus meets a leper. I want to unpack it. And as we unpack it, I want us to be asking ourselves two questions throughout the morning. Ask the Spirit to show us. One, is there anything in my life I need to bring to Jesus this morning to be made clean? And two, 
who are the untouchables that Jesus is calling me to reach with his hope and love? So let's jump in. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. He didn't just have a touch of it. He didn't just have a little bit. He was covered with leprosy. As when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, before we go on, for us to grasp what's going on in this encounter, we need to understand what leprosy is. Today, we know it as Hansen's disease. It encompasses a a number of different skin diseases. And as of the 1940s, there's some pretty solid cures for it. In Jesus' time, there was no cure. It was a death sentence. And we'll often start with a, a pink spot on a nose or an extremity and begin to spread throughout the body. And as it did, it would kill nerve endings so that Lepers often couldn't feel pain, which would then lead them to hurt themselves even worse because they couldn't feel pain. Infection would set in, often without them knowing it, because they couldn't feel it. It would, it would go to the internal organs. And as with this man, if, if let go, it would often run its course over one or two decades and encompass a person's entire body. I want you to see a couple pictures of some modern-day folks around the world in places where they, they weren't able to get the cures that are available. The first one is of a hand. This is what leprosy can do to a hand as it begins to eat away at the skin. Next one is a foot. I'll go on. I want you to see the faces of some folks that suffer with this leprosy. How awful as it begins to take over the entire body, the eyes, the hands, you can see no finger, the, the pain on her face. And then this last one, this man, you can see his hands are, are completely gone as the, the leprosy has encompassed him. I wanted to show you that so we have some kind of a picture of what someone looks like when they're covered with leprosy. I want you to also understand how the culture at that time treated leprosy. The Old Testament law, Leviticus 13, verse 45, said Any, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, couldn't fix their hair. They had to make sure people looked at them, and if they couldn't tell from the disease itself, to look at them and see something is is wrong with this individual. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Anytime someone would come in the vicinity, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So not only do you have the physical pain and suffering, you have the isolation from society the quarantine. All they had was each other and their pain. Anytime someone healthy got near, their, their, their job was to yell unclean. And one thing we see in the Old Testament 
is that leprosy is often used as a picture for sin. I am not saying that these people that had leprosy had it as a direct result of a sin in their lives. Don't hear me wrong. That did happen sometimes in the Old Testament. You'll remember Miriam, Moses' sister, questioned Moses' authority, and she was struck with leprosy. There was a King Uzziah that walked into the temple to do something that only priests could do. They told him to stop, and he wouldn't, and God struck him with leprosy. There were times where leprosy was a direct result of sin. It's a sickness today. It's sometimes a result of sin. Not always. But it's a, a good picture of sin because like sin, it can completely cover and encompass someone's life. Isaiah 1, Isaiah uses leprosy as a picture of sin. Verses 4 through 6, he said, Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption, they have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. And he goes on in verse 6. Listen to this. This is the correlation. How sin is like leprosy. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged. What's he saying? Just like a, a leper who's covered with the disease from head to toe. You are covered and ensnared and enslaved in your sin. Warren Wiersbe said this, Like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin and cannot be helped by mere surface measures. Like sin, leprosy spreads, and as it spreads, it defiles. Because of his defilement, a leprous person had to be isolated outside the camp. And lost sinners who don't come to Christ one day will be isolated in hell. You can see the correlations. It's a, it's a picture of sin. And this man, you notice what he did? Let's go back to our first verse, Adam. Where is he? In what? One of the towns. This man's desperate. He knows the law. He knows he's not supposed to be there. You can see people in the town looking. And if you could get an aerial shot, I imagine that as he came in, you see the people just... He wasn't supposed to be there, but he was desperate. He saw Jesus. He was supposed to yell unclean to keep Jesus away from him. He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. He had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. He was completely desperate. And sometimes we need to allow ourselves to realize that that's where we are so that we will boldly approach the Savior as well. He boldly came in. Came into the town. Matthew Henry says, just like this man... As the Spirit begins to tug in your life, we must seek Jesus. We must humble ourselves before Him. We must desire to be cleansed. We must trust in His ability to cleanse. We must ask for it. We must rely on His good will. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Is He questioning Jesus' power there? No. No, nope, he knows he can do it. He says, you can make me clean. 
He's just questioning, would this Jesus be in, interested in healing me? Would he even want to? That's his question, and we want to look at Jesus' answer here in verse 13. There's some shocking words in here if you lived in that culture. <laughs> Jesus healed people a lot of ways. You remember sometimes he just said the word from miles away and someone was healed? He could do that. I want you to read what he did with this leper. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. You see the love and the compassion and the personal touch of our Savior? That was unheard of in his culture. He could have done it a million other ways, but he went out of his way to touch this man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Remember what we said. He didn't have just a touch of this on an arm or a leg or a little bit on his face. He was covered. Jesus touches him and immediately it is gone. This was one of those signature acts of the Messiah. Uh, you know certain people by the things they do. If I tell you that someone lives in the White House, works in the Oval Office, and flies on Air Force One, you know what? That's the president. Those are some defining signs of the president. Leprosy and its healing was one of the defining signs that the Messiah would do. In fact, in chapter 7, when John the Baptist was starting to have some doubts and wonder if this Jesus was the Messiah... Jesus said, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. This was part of the Messiah's calling card. And it sets off five or six events in the next couple chapters where you're going to see the Pharisees are really upset with Jesus. They don't like who he hangs out with. They don't like who he touches. They don't like what he says about himself. And this event helped start that snowball rolling. He touched a leper. He touched a leper. Warren Wiersbe says this is a beautiful picture of salvation. When we realize that we are completely covered in sin and helpless to save ourselves. Jesus touches us. He identifies with us. He becomes a sin offering for us that we might be made clean. He is willing to save and he is able to save. There may be someone here this morning that came in feeling as desperate as that leper in the messages. We serve a Messiah who longs to touch you and heal you completely. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, if any of you doubt that leprosy is a picture of sin and this incident is a picture of salvation, I want you to hear what was involved in this ceremony that this man was supposed to go do for his cleansing at the temple. How many of you guys know that the whole Bible is about Jesus? Every word, it, it all points to him. 
Listen to what they were supposed to do in this ceremony and listen to the beautiful picture of salvation that it is. Leviticus 14, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they're brought to the priest. All right, here's what you do. The priest is to go outside the camp where the leper is and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Now, first, when you read that list of stuff, I don't know if you ever watched the old show on Nickelodeon, Kenan and Kel. <laughs> At the beginning of the show, Kenan would always tell Kel, all right, you go grab a, a shovel, some snow skis, some kitty litter, and a garbage bag, and meet me down at the store. And then the rest of the show is how they get in trouble with this random list of stuff. And every show is a different random list. That's what this list looks like when you read through it. At first, we're like, what? But I want you to see, God was being very, very particular to show us and to show his people a picture of the salvation that would come in Jesus. The priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. So you got this first bird killed, blood in the water, second bird dipped in there with the wood, with the scarlet. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird in the open fields. Okay, still, some of us are reading this like, what in the world? <laughs> now watch this. I'll show you some symbolism. That first bird is killed. Picture that a sacrifice was needed for healing. Jesus' death on the cross in our place was necessary for our healing. The live bird is dipped in along with the wood, which may represent the cross, the scarlet yarn. Hyssop was a plant that was used to cleanse. Live bird is dipped into the blood of the sacrificial bird. Watch what happens. The live bird is released into the open fields. We must immerse ourselves in the death of Jesus Christ. We must trust in that for our cleansing. And when we do, we, like that bird that's released into the field, we're given new life because another gave his life for us. I love how God just goes to the trouble to paint these pictures. Now, what did, what did uh, Jesus tell this guy before he told him to go to the priest don't tell anyone and again we scratch our heads he didn't want people to settle for just a healer or a political messiah it wasn't time yet for the full revelation to come out he wanted people to come to him as a savior it wasn't time yet but what's this guy do verse 15 the news about him spread all the more blah 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 he, uh, he went out and blah 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 it all over Town, so that crowds of people came to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses. I like what one man said about this. 
Jesus told this man to be quiet and he told everyone. He told us to tell everyone and we're silent. (laughs) Wow. This man couldn't keep it in. I think any of us would have a hard time keeping it in. I don't know how old he was, but you, you spend a good portion of your life with a fatal disease. I mean, literally the walking dead. They know they're heading for a certain death to this disease, and now he's healed. He couldn't hold it in. So these people start coming again, but Jesus knew where his power lie. So even with the demand around him, and even though he healed many, he still often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And if you're getting sick of hearing that, I'm sorry, Luke keeps saying it. Jesus often got away and prayed. Prayer is essential if we're going to have powerful and effective ministry. As we conclude, I want us to come back to our original questions and think about, is there anything I need to bring to Jesus this morning to be made clean? And who are the untouchables in my life? And I want to tell you a story that I read from Kyle Eidelman about a young woman named Rochelle Starr. Rochelle Starr grew up in church. From the time she was a little girl, she was in service in Sunday school. But as she became a teenager and a young woman, she began to pray. And God, what, what is it that you would call me to do? What, what is your passion for my life? Where do I make disciples? How do I do that? And God laid it on her heart that she was to go into strip clubs and minister to the women who worked there. She started praying about this and she was nervous to tell people at church, you know, how to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in 2008, she started a ministry called Scarlet Hope. And her and some other women would make Southern Comfort style meals and take them into these strip clubs and they, they would meet the women there. And their prayer was that hey, I don't just want to meet your physical hunger. I also want to meet your your spiritual hunger. Some of them went further. They wanted one-on-one time with the gal, so they would actually go in the dressing rooms and fix their hair and do their makeup. Now, you know, some in the church would look at them and say, you're condoning what they do. Her answer was, you know what? They're going to put their makeup and do their hair Anyway, I just want to be there to hear what's going on in their lives, what, what led them to this place, a chance to pray with them. And pray they did. They pray with these women in their dressing rooms. And she reports that many have turned to Christ for forgiveness and a new start. A number of them started going to church. Their lives were changed. She says, my heart and relationship with Jesus has drastically changed. I like her closing quote. She says, dancers have taken to calling us the church ladies. I never thought I'd end up with such a traditional title doing radical work for God. But I think that's the kind of church lady God was calling me to become. Wow, that's powerful. Who are the untouchables in your life? 
It may be that you're called to minister in a country where Ebola is rampant. Or it may be that like Maria Colby in her missional community, you're called to go into a local retirement home where many elderly and sick folks live and do a hymn sing once a month. Meet with them after and before and pray with them. It may be that you're called to spend time in a homosexual bar in Phoenix. Or it may just be that you're called to say hi and engage in that neighbor in conversation. You know, that one neighbor that all the rest of the neighborhood speaks poorly of. You know, that one that everybody talks about and looks down on. Maybe God would call you to engage them. I got a friend named Steve that did that in Stone Ridge. There was a family on the block that always had trash in their front yard. It was the messy house. And everybody on the street talked about it constantly. Well, Steve decided instead of talking about it, he was going to get a couple of the neighbors together with a couple pickup trucks, go introduce himself, say, can we help you? Maybe you got a busy work schedule or whatever. And they, they, they did. They loaded all that stuff that they wanted out of there in a pickup truck, took it away. Steve invited the family to a dinner at his house. And he said it was a simple dinner. But he said, you should have seen the looks on the kids' faces when they sat it. Just, just to sit down at a table with some plates and silverware sat out and ice cream for dessert. He said, you would have thought they never saw anything like that. Maybe called that, like my friend Dan that I talked to this week, you're called to foster a teenager who needs a place to live. Because in the foster world, the teenagers are the untouchables. They've been through too much already. They've seen too much. I want, I want a newborn. He's looking at a 15-year-old whose father died and his mother just couldn't cope with the loss of it. And this young 15-year-old man needs a home to live in. Could be that. Or just that you're called to spend time with your own kids who listen to different music and watch different shows than you do. Maybe that you need to lay aside your judgmental attitude about all those people who milk the system and go down to the gospel rescue mission and help some of the women and children that are putting their lives back together with food or, or cleaning up. Or it could be as simple as just making a point this Christmas to talk to that family member that everybody else in the family has written off. I don't know who the untouchables are in your life. But we're going to wrestle with that in prayer in just a moment. Jesus got away and prayed. And that's where he got his power to touch the untouchable, to do the things that he did. So we're going to do that in just a moment after I pray. We're going to spend a couple moments asking God to speak to our hearts about these topics. Father, I thank you so much for a Savior who touches the untouchable. And I look at my life and I know the way that you saved me. And I know that you encountered me despite my sin and brought me to a place of salvation. Everyone in this room that has come to Jesus knows what it is to be an untouchable because we all fall short. And sometimes we forget that now that we've been touched and cleansed. We spend too much time looking at the people in the world that we think are worse than us instead of looking at a Savior that, 
that touched me and maybe I should pass that on. So Father, I pray that you'd challenge us. I also pray that if there's anyone in this room this morning that hears this message and says, man, I identify more with the leper. I came in here feeling untouchable, feeling desperate. I pray this morning that you would draw them. That you'd help them to boldly cry out to you, Jesus. Forgive me. Heal me. Cleanse me.